Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special episode of Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk. I am your host, Chris O'Mealy, joined by Dan Peck. And now, the WWE's favorite band, Limp Bizkit. Really? Well, it's not Vince's favorite band, that's for sure. I'm addicted to Cracker School, but people start static! Actually, Vince's favorite band is ACDC and the Rolling Stones. ACDC is one of my favorite bands. Oh, it's a good choice. That's why they keep popping up all over the place. It's in my top five. So, we have much to discuss. But the big thing that we got to talk about is WrestleMania 36, or as I'm going to be calling it today, WrestleMania Performance Center. Rona. 95. <laughs> WrestleMania Performance Center with the no audience, which was interesting, to say the least. Uh, but real quick, I would do the, I'll, sh- I'll shoot through the plugs real quick. Uh, Jeff Trellowitz's two shows, Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks. Jay Bunny's Music Hub with Jason Shin. We just aired our first new episode, by the way. It's the 40th episode, so while the backlog's going up, you can also finally check out new content. And... The third episode of Motivational Moves is now up. Adrian Cotton wondering what you're going to do when this is all over. And don't forget about all of our partners. Mark Reviews Blog, Brian Bindman's Art, Heather Quinn Cosplay, and of course, CHMR's Ring Rust, Blake and Sal Show, Cinefan Podcast, and Race Nerd Podcast. All stuff to check out. Yeah! What else are you doing right now? You're all quarantined. Except for me, because I am essential. Essential. I wear a face mask and gloves. And I pack boxes all day. Things that you probably should be wearing anyway, working at a warehouse. Gloves, yes. Face mask, no. Face mask. However, I have noticed the face mask has come in handy for preventing any coughing or sneezing effects to affect my coworkers. As I know this because I sneezed into my face mask and immediately had to change it because it was disgusting in there. I got those like super nasally death ones. Well, one was, and I was just like, and I, I kind of like. Or it smells like rotting meat. Uh, it was so terrible. But I, I learned a trick because my boss has a thing of mints on his desk and everyone's welcome to them. If I suck on a mint before I put on my face mask and freshen up my breath, it makes it way more tolerable during the day. Yeah! So yes, WrestleMania Performance Center took place. And before we talk about any news or anything like that, we're going to go over this. Now, this would normally be something that we would save for the VIP show, our special reviews, but this is a special circumstance. It was the first time WrestleMania was done as two nights, which probably should start to be the case, because I'm a big fan of going to bed after 10 p.m. and and getting my WrestleMania in. So, I I did not have an issue with that whatsoever. You went to bed after 10 p.m. the last several years as well. Well, I had to, because... Just also after 11, and after midnight. Ironically, ironically, this is the one year I wouldn't have cared about this, because my delivery route is suspended, so I've been able to go to bed after midnight and still be okay. 
So of course. But yeah, is- almost everyone's like two, three hour shows is better than one eight hour show. Thank you very much. Like I loved even even though both parts of Wrestle Kingdom were long, I loved the split deal. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I would love to see more of that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go through the matches. I'll talk about what was good, what was bad, and what benefited. Because believe it or not, there was a couple of matches that benefited or did well with the no crowd. And what specifically got hurt by doing it this way and what what they definitely could have and should have done differently and what I think might have taken place if they actually were in the big arena, etc., etc. So I'll do my best to not dwell too much because there are a ton of matches to talk about. Quite a few, as a matter of fact. But uh, the first good was that by doing the two parts, they were able to book a lot more stuff on the card and give most stuff adequate time. Which you know wouldn't have happened because of the long ramp, the big entrances, the elaborate stuff, you know, all that. They they also didn't have to do any kind of announcements or the, the Hall of Famers on the stage, which... Again, would have been cool, but not necessary. I do think it stinks that we lost out on the Hall of Fame and TakeOver, but we'll definitely get them later on this year. Now, I do stand by my opinion that they should have still done a big two-night event to entertain us and just not have called it WrestleMania and made a couple of changes to the card, and I'll explain what those are as we go on here. So you ready to... To relive the night with me, Dan. I know you didn't actually see it, but you can live it. You can live it. Live it. So, first thing that was cool was that they gave a pre-show match to Cesaro and Drew Gulak, so they got them on the card. Even though they technically aren't on the WrestleMania card, they still got to do something. WrestleMania, but not on WrestleMania. Exactly. And that, by the way, that's something I'm advocating for all of my future ranking projects I want to do, like ranking all the IC title matches and women's matches. If it happened on the pre-show, it won't be on the list. Like, there were two IC title matches that took place on pre-shows. Ambrose Corbin at 33 and uh, Barrett versus Miz at 29, the one I was there for. Those will not be counted. Cause... Speaking of pre-shows, last the answer to last week's trivia question... Oh, I almost forgot about the trivia. Yeah, what was the dark match at WrestleMania? The dark 8? match at WrestleMania 8 was the Bushwhackers defeating the Beverly Brothers in 10 minutes. It probably would have been a fun match to watch. I'm disappointed that that was that just match dark. had Mike Enos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, give us this week's trivia question because this is one I actually do know the answer to. Remember WrestleMania 3? I remember. It's my favorite one. List, list, list the midgets, please. <laughs> Specifically, who was on Team Hillbilly and Team Bundy? Now, I know this because you know this is my favorite WrestleMania. Uh, it's the first one I ever truly saw that got me into wrestling, but... uh I also looked up all four of them to figure out which ones were dead and which ones were still alive. And they are, there are a couple that are still with us. Maybe we'll reveal that answer next week. So. Name them midgets. Anyway. 
Yeah, Cesaro versus Drew got a little bit of time, but these two guys focused on having a wrestling match, and thus, even though it was less than four and a half minutes, it was decent, because Cesaro and Drew Gulak. Two guys that were head trainers at Chikara Wrestle Factory. Yep. So, first problem right off the gate, right out the gate, is the women's tag team match. Alexa, Nikki versus the Kabuki Warriors. All four of these girls have no idea how to perform in an empty building because they were still pantomiming and attempting to react to a crowd that wasn't there. That was very disappointing because you know this would have been a great match in front of a live crowd. Alexa and Nikki would have been super over. Their win would have been over. And without the fans there, all you really heard was Asuka and Kairi screaming in Japanese, which was entertaining. But this was a big hindrance to not having an audience there. This one would have benefited from the live crowd. So, eh. Happy for Alexa and Nikki. They're two-time tag champions now. I think everybody pretty much predicted they were going to go over with the feud they were having with the Kabuki Warriors. So, nothing negative to say. Everybody did a decent job. It's just that there was... It was a TV and a live audience match. It wasn't a uh, a wrestling match. Well, if it's heels being heels, you need a fucking crowd. Yeah, basically. Well, when we have a live reaction from the Kabuki Warriors, what do you have to say? We don't care! We don't care! Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Elias versus King Corbin was awful. This was That's a- two guys that need a fucking crowd. This, these guys were terrible. Corbin cut a promo to a non-existent crowd. Uh, it was just, yeah. Gotta make sure they know I'm a heel. Yeah, this was, this was trash. <clears throat> um, nothing good to say about it. The only positive was that the right guy went over, which was Elias. But it was trash. Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. Um, I think the wrong girl went over. I think Shayna either should have won or gotten heat afterwards, which she didn't. She just kind of stood, sat there looking shocked. But they had the best match of night one. Easily. They had a great, solid match, and there was no placating to the crowd. When they got their championship announcements... They placated to the camera, and then they were laser-focused on each other. They they were hitting each other. Like, you know, they were really laying it in, too. It looked like a fight. It was very well done. And Shayna has been improving exponentially in the, the past year. I actually think she would have been a really good candidate for most improved. I mean, she has really stepped it up and become a real player. Uh, I think... I think Shayna should have gone over here because I'm not really sure where they're going to go with that. But Becky as champ right now is still going to make a lot of sense at the same time. And if Shayna was going to go over, a live crowd would be better for that. So maybe that's a good thing. We'll have to see what the future holds there. Another set of guys who had a great match, Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. For the IC title match. 
again, here are two guys who know how to have a match in front of nobody because there was no pandering to a non-existent crowd. It was Sammy being a cocky asshole with his back up there to do his dirty work. And Brian was there to even the odds with Gulak in his corner. And they were focused on each other. Laser focused on each other, I should say. It, the whole thing told the story. It was Brian was trying to get Sammy's title and shut him up. And Sammy was playing the chicken shit heel the whole time. Begging off. Trying, you know, practically crying when Brian was beating him up. Hiding behind his backup. And the backup are the reason that he got the win. And he gloated about it, you know. And then he acted like he did it on his own. Sami Zayn makes a fantastic freaking heel. And it was a great match. And even though I love Daniel Bryan, the right person went over here. That was the right decision. They would have... They would have done well in front of a live crowd, but this is a match that I think was fine without it because you could hear Sammy and Brian, you know, constantly jawjacking and Sammy just, <laughs> all everything he was saying was freaking hysterical. Uh, I do want to point out, though, that even though I do like Tom Phillips as an announcer, him and Byron, when they were calling stuff, were kind of dead. And Cole was joined by JBL, and that was just terrible. JBL was like JBL was like overly bad the whole time. So Well, he's like two plus years out of practice. Yeah. Mackle. And if he said and every time he, he went on a fake news rant, it was like, okay, the first one was kind of funny, because you get you know that's kind of just part of who he would be. But then he kept doing it like throughout the night, and by the time he said it like the fourth time, he's like, That's fake news, Michael. I'm like, uh, alright, I'm done with JBL now. Cause you you can't you can't constantly play that same card over and over again. Isn't all news in wrestling fake news? Because wrestling's fake, lol. Lol. <clears throat> Alright, so the triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Probably not the best idea to even do a ladder match with these kind of spots in front of nobody. Uh I personally wouldn't have even done this. I probably I, just... I know a lot of people that couldn't get past the fact that it was a singles match for a tag title. Uh, if you're gonna force the match, given the circumstances, this is the best way to do it. Because the only other option would have been to have Morrison pull out a uh, a temp partner, and that usually doesn't work out too well. The only person that would have been able to do it and made sense, honestly, would have been Joey Mercury, who I don't think they would have called. So, uh, I wouldn't have done this at all. It was a standard ladder match with ladder spots, but it just didn't work for me because it was in front of nobody. There was nobody to react to anything, and... Which almost apparently everybody online was only paying attention to the ceiling fan. That was a missed opportunity because they should have put the title on the ceiling fan. I think that's what they should Except have. Except for a ceiling fan wasn't directly above the ring. No, neither one of them were. But <laughs> but still. And that's um, some people were like, but the fins are up at the end. How the hell does the air even move correctly? I'm just like, oh my god. Do people not know how fans work, apparently? That's pretty funny. All right. 
I'll say this, though. The finish was actually pretty good, but super hindered by the fact that there was nobody there to react to it. You can't do a spot match with no freaking crowd. Yeah, because they all climbed up the ladder. They all pulled the coat hanger down and were fighting over it. And Kofi and Jimmy shoved Morrison off and he took a bump onto a ladder. But then they realized he was holding the titles. (laughs) And they still had the coat hanger and they did the oh shit face and looked at each other and looked down and realized that Morrison won the match. That would have gotten a good reaction from a crowd. So, yeah, I wouldn't have done this at all. I would have scrapped the whole thing. Because now you can't do that finish in front of a crowd now because you already did it. So, I think that was a big mistake. Other, It wasn't a bad match. I mean, it's but it it didn't break down any barriers either. It wasn't it wasn't Sean versus Razor at WrestleMania 10 or TLC2 or the Triangle Ladder match. It was just a ladder match with three guys doing stuff. Um, KO and Seth had a pretty damn good match it had the bullshit DQ finish and then KO immediately was like no we're not ending it this way I demand a no disqualification match which was just so he could basically do a dive off the set (laughs) he's screaming him running up the curve of the mania logo it, and killing himself in front actually, of zero people. It was actually pretty funny, especially because he goes, he screams, how's this for a WrestleMania moment? And dives onto Seth. They had a good match, though. Uh, I, I was I was entertained during this. Much better than a future match that had no disqualification in it. Yes. Now, universal title match. This was the biggest mistake that they made for both nights of WrestleMania, the single biggest mistake. And I'll tell you why. Because G-Berg, being the mark that he is, was like, hey, here's what's going to happen. I can't lose my... I can't lose my mystique by doing a job to The Fiend, so I have to win here. And they're like, okay... So he got the freaking title. Then, when it came time to drop it, he was going to drop it to Roman. But then it's like, well, since I don't want to wrestle anymore and I don't want to sign any more dates, I'm going to do a job regardless. And then when Roman couldn't make it, which people think Vince is probably super pissed off about and might actually be burying Roman for a while, which is the most bullshit reason to do it, by the way. Which means 100% confirmed he's mad at Roman for having head cancer a year ago. Probably, yeah. So, st- uh, this match was... This just doesn't exist. As a match, it was awful. Because Strowman... Uh, what do you, he took four, like... took like four spears, kicked out of... Kicked out... And then powerbomb Goldberg four times and pinned him and won the title. It was, a, it was a garbage match. Now, the positive here is that they're finally going to give Braun a run as champion, which they should have done a long time ago. The negative is that they could have done any other kind of storyline to prevent this match from happening here so Goldberg could have done the job in front of people and really put somebody over. And... The idea that I heard on Cornette's show, which I totally agree with, 
is that they should have postponed the match so that, uh, uh, no, they either should, yeah, they should have postponed the match and had Goldberg done the job to Strowman only to have Roman come back and demand that he gets the shot because it was supposed to be his title shot and have Braun pretty much turn heel, which probably would help Braun right now. Or the idea I really liked, which was Braun freaking or uh, Roman comes back and gets the shot at Goldberg anyway. And Braun's like, hell no, you were out. You pussed out. I should be the guy and fucks over Roman after he gets the title and we get a Braun Roman program out of that, which we're going to get anyway. But there's nothing more you can do with Goldberg now. If he doesn't want to resign, so he did the job, and he can't just come back and get that heat anymore. So Goldberg's kind of fucked. And watch Braun drop the title as soon as this all finally blows over. Just like when Raven finally won the TNA World Title, it's because they weren't on television. And as soon as they got on television, they jobbed his ass out on a small indie show in another country. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Uh, Braun, I yeah. predict, I predict Braun loses to Roman at SummerSlam, provided SummerSlam goes on as planned. So, it fucking better. It's at the end of August. Holy shit! <laughs> now, I want to talk about the Boneyard match because I freaking love this. You got a bone in my yard. <laughs> as a wrestling match, it was well, it wasn't one. So I can't rate it as a wrestling match. Keep At, rolling, 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 rolling. As a mini movie fight scene, it was freaking awesome. And that's what it was. So Taker pulls up to the graveyard. AJ's waiting for him. He pulls up on the bike with Metallica blasting. He's con- conceivably out of the bike, but maybe just in general. It's the Undertaker after all. Uh, him and AJ have their brawl. AJ, for the most part, gets gets the upper hand and prepares to bury Undertaker, climbs up on the big machine. Taker appears behind him because it's the Undertaker, beats the shit out of AJ. Gallows and Anderson show up along with a bunch of druids who surround Taker instead. Uh, Although Taker beats the shit out of all of them, and then they're never seen again. And then just basically kills AJ Styles. I mean, he's the... AJ's begging off and begging. He's I like my favorite was, don't bury me, bro. <laughs> and uh, after Taker laid him out particularly hard, and he's just laying in the dirt, out Taker kind of just gets down and leans into him. He's just like, so what's my wife's name? How old am I? Just getting him for all the sh- trash that AJ was talking leading up to this. Of course, Taker buries AJ, and they have the uh, the wooden hand sticking out of the dirt with AJ's glove on it, so it looks like he's dead, pretty much. So in 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 kayfabe, AJ Styles is dead. So R.I.P. AJ. One like equals one. All right, mean Undertaker's killed Paul Bearer. He's killed Edge. He's killed uh the fuck's name terrorist guy that wasn't a terrorist at all. Muhammad Hassan. Yes. Yeah, I remember. Killed that guy. This was this was not a wrestling match. To rate it as such, I can't do it. Which is why I'm glad it's not the true main event of WrestleMania. Uh, 
as a cinemat as a uh, what do I want to say here a cinematic. Uh, I guess a cinematic experience would be the best way to put it. It was freaking phenomenal. I can get you a name for it. Because the guy that makes Total Extreme Wrestling uh, after these two matches went in and coded a match type in the game. The game that's coming out in two weeks. <laughs> he oh. added an extra match type. Oh, an, an extra... Uh... Huh. I didn't realize there was going to be another TEW. It's coming out this month. 23rd is the demo, 28th is the full version. And I'm buying it, and I'm going to be streaming. I'm going to be, well, I might not be streaming, but I'm going to be making videos at least, because that's on the computer. So, Yep. I believe he called it a cinematic match. Now... There's, of course, a lot of people who are like, <clears throat> who are like, oh, so uh, is this going to be the new thing? Because Vince has always wanted to make a movie. He's been making <laughs> movies for 15 years. Yeah, that's what we do, pal. And Wait, that's what he did say. That's what he famously said on, in a freaking Beyond the Mat, right? Yeah, we make movies, pal. That's what we do. We do. We make movies. So let's say you do, right? Because in a two hour TV show, it's an hour and a half. So let's analyze. Let's analyze what we got out of this. This was a superior alternative than Taker and AJ having a match in front of no people. And of course, somebody I've seen a bunch of people online that were like, but this would have sucked in front of a live crowd because they would have been booing it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we only got this because of the circumstances. If this didn't happen, this would have just been Taker versus AJ in a wrestling match. Now, there might have been you know shenanery involved, but that's what they would have had. They would have had a wrestling match. You know what else this does? This does, like, whatever Undertaker's feeling okay. Fucking film five of them. Yeah? And throw them out over a couple of years. Yeah? Because now guys are coming out of the woodwork being like, I'll have that match with Taker for Wrestle- at WrestleMania. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, a, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and one of the one of the best reviews I saw on Twitter was like, "This is the best fight scene I've ever seen in any movie." <laughs> it's like that's freaking awesome, because you know that's not actors having a fight. It's wrestlers who know what the fuck they're doing. It's Undertaker and AJ Styles. Now, I would still like to eventually see them have a one-on-one match because I think they would be really damn good. But for the circumstances, I think this was this was what it needed to be. And I do know that Triple H was involved in producing it, and Bruce Pritchard had a hand in this in the the Firefly Funhouse match, which we'll get to, to on night two. It was uh, yeah, it was Triple H and uh, what's his face? Well, Bruce was involved, yeah. No, um, um, there were other people involved. Freebird, Freebirds. Oh, Hayes, Michael Hayes. Yeah, it was him and Hayes were like in charge of this one. Um, Doc and they're like, <laughs> Doc they got all the. You know that Michael Hayes just re- just hit twenty five years with WWE. Jeez, no, I did not. Since he came know in that. as Doc Hendricks. Doc Hendricks, yeah, did not know that. Yeah, uh, I just saw that pop up. So night one was definitely the better night. 
I'll also say that. Night one is easily the better night. Uh, the Boneyard, I said that Becky and Shayna had the best match on night one, but my favorite thing for both nights was the Boneyard match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was sports entertained. Were you? I was. All right. On to night two. Night two had a lot of shit. That may or may not have sucked with live crowd involved, but, uh, uh, Liv Morgan and Natty had a standard match on the pre-show. Liv went over, which was probably the right decision. I think she needs a little bit of momentum because I know she's been doing a lot of jobbing for some reason. All right. The best match of the entire weekend, even though I do believe the wrong person went over, was Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. Easily the best match. This is a match that I think was enhanced by not having an audience because you could hear just how intently they were. It, it sounds awkward to say it, but how, how much they were grunting and everything actually helped pay off a lot. Charlotte and Rhea had a fantastic match that would have stole the show with the live audience and torn the house down. Absolutely. The submission victory was a surprise to me that Charlotte is now the NXT Women's Champion. Although I do know that's going to open up a lot of doors for her and new feuds because she's basically feuded with everybody by this point. So that's kind of cool. And I'm sure Rhea will probably get a rematch when there's a live crowd and get the title back anyway. So I really don't have an issue with this, honestly, even though I'm not big on Charlotte constantly going over on everybody. Um, Rhea, I only honestly would have put over if there was a crowd there because they would have reacted huge, and that's why I think they should wait. So I don't have an issue with this, and like I said, they had a fantastic match. There was no pretending there was an audience there. This was just really good. I would recommend people go back and watch this. Uh, The next two matches are highly skippable. Because nothing of note happened. Alistair Black and Bobby Lashley had a match. That meant nothing. And Otis and Dolph Ziggler had the cap off to the storyline. And this match meant even less because it had nobody there. And when Otis picked up Mandy Rose and they made out, that would have gotten a huge pop from the fans who've been rooting for him this whole time with that storyline. So that was a wasted a wasted motion there. Womp womp. And that's a pity, too, because that would have gotten Otis over so big in front of 70,000 people or whatever would have been there. He would have gotten, like, a friggin' standing ovation. Him and Mandy would have walked out as heroes. That would have been... Mandy Rose's babyface turn would have been huge. So, yeah, that's a huge missed opportunity. Um, Probably the worst overall thing on either night was this last man standing match between Edge and Orton. It was... They should have post-produced this like they did with the Boneyard and Firefly Funhouse match. I don't... Technically, they did. Just not to that level. (laughs) Yeah, it was so... 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 Bad. I was seeing tweets and stuff. Even Meltz was like... So this match has only been gone for five minutes, and I feel like I've been tortured for an hour. 
it was it was way too long there were way too many stalling points like if you go back and watch this you can there are parts where they're both laying on the ground you can just skip ahead like a minute or two and we'll miss absolutely nothing i mean of the 36 minutes and 35 seconds they they had there's at least five to seven minutes of dead time you could actually skip and since they could have actually skipped it. Uh, and of course, it meant nothing because it was just an excuse to fight all over the Performance Center. It meant absolutely nothing because there was no fans there to react to Edge's big return to WrestleMania. You, you knew he was going to go over. The The spots looked stupid and forced and dangerous considering Edge's neck. The, the spot where he was hanging him on gym equipment reminded a bunch of people of the Benoit thing. And people yeah, were up and on. Not well timed because everyone's thinking about Benoit because of Dark Side of the Ring, which everybody's watching, even if they are ignoring it. So, yeah, uh, this was this was awful, absolutely awful. A garbage match. Considering the people involved and how they did it, it was trash. Because you know, Edge and Orton would have had a fantastic match in front of if they if, just had if, a regular fucking match. <laughs> Even a last man standing match in front of people would have gotten over. This was just, it was again they were trying to play to the situation and let them go all over the place, but it was just, meh. Eh. You guys, you had a boring last man standing match. You have any idea how fucking hard that is? Yeah, and, and Big Show wasn't involved. <laughs> Usually, the last man standing matches with him are garbage. I'll put John Cena through a light. Today. Hey, preview for our VIP show on the Patreon. Dan's going to talk about the Big Show show. Yes, is it? I watched it. So, I seen it. He's seen it. So that, that'll that be something we'll talk about uh, if you're a patron, of course. So Raw Tag Team Championship, I like that they got Austin Theory onto WrestleMania, but with nobody there... Again, it meant nothing. That kind of sucks for him. Uh, Bianca Belair's call-up will probably be really good for her. especially And aligning her with the Street Profits with a real-life husband, Montez Ford, is going to be a really good decision, too. That'll that'll boost her game and boost the Street Profits game. So I have no she issue with that. Smoke? She smoke? Oh, she's getting that smoke. Uh, the fatal five-way elimination match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. A, this should not have been an elimination match. That's for damn sure, because as an elimination match, it sucked. And B, it's another case of the the girls were sort of unsure how to do this in front of nobody. So that's another disappointment thing. Uh, Tamina had been built up as this big old threat, just so she could be the first one eliminated, even though everybody eliminated her. It's another waste of Tamina. I'm sick and tired of them constantly teasing doing something with her and dropping it. It's getting old. Well, uh, her constantly getting hurt as soon as anything starts happening is getting old, too. Yeah. <laughs> then, of course, Sasha eliminates Naomi. Lacey eliminates Sasha. Well, the eliminations were clever because Sasha was able to get Naomi to tap out to the bank statement. And then... Lacey Evans was going to lay in the woman's right on Bailey and Bailey Duck, so she got Sasha instead, and then was just like, oh shit! So she pinned her. So it was just down to her and Bailey. Bailey retaining was probably the right direction to go in, 
The only other storyline that could have benefited here was having Sasha turn on her to to screw her and win the title, or Bailey retains. So, and I think they're going to save the Sasha Bailey turn for when they've got an audience again. So for what it was, it was me. It was eh, it's skippable. All right, Firefly Funhouse time. Holy shit. Okay, so, A, unlike the Boneyard match, I, which you could still at least kind of qualify as a fight, this was this was nothing but cinematography. This was not a match. This was like a, a series of... Of skits, yeah. Sketch, sketches? Yeah, it was, it was literally just... Uh, yeah, that's all it was. So, if you watch it as a skit, it was good. If you try to classify it as anything other than that, it was the shits. So let's uh, let's just call it what it was. But the right guy went, and of course, people are like, "Would this? Would they have done this in front of a real crowd?" No, they would have had a real match, and the fiend would have gone over, and it would have been awesome. So let's talk. I'll try to I'll try to highlight as much as I can here. Cena comes out, and then of course. A whole bunch of shit happens, and he ends up in the funhouse, and they're just like, oh, yeah, dude, he's through the door. But I wouldn't go through there. They, uh, Cena comes out dressed like Ruthless Aggression Cena and recreates that scene with Bray, with Kurt Angle. So that was kind of funny. They He comes out as, uh, as, uh, Thugonom- Dr. Thugonomics. Some NWO. Yeah, they did the NWO stuff. Um, they did a spoof of Saturday Night's main event, and they had the, the Vince puppet with... Uh, with apparently the... said it's such good shit, apparently. Yes. <laughs> and now it's a shirt. Right yep, away. yep. Um, well, they did Saturday Night's main event. They did, like, the, uh, the famously infamous... Uh, where they're cutting the promo behind the cage... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Which I just re- I just remember the freaking one where it's like uh, Zeus and and uh, Sherry and I think Macho Man and they're getting ready for the tag team cage match and it's freaking like they were high as fuck when they did that promo. I liked. Uh... He, he he tried to introduce Cena as his tag team partner Johnny Large Meat because because he couldn't stop lifting weights. Oh yeah, I saw that. I saw a gif of that like right away of him like double speed lifting weights. Yeah, he did. He did the Husky Harris thing. He did. He came back as the old Wyatt family member. He did the recreation of WrestleMania Thirty where. Where he's in the, uh, he's on his knees begging Cena to hit him. And when Cena does him and tries to take him out, and then it cuts back and it's no longer him. It's, uh, Huskis the pig boy that Cena killed. They, yeah, they transport him to NWO Nitro with, uh, Cena's Hollywood Hogan and Bray is Eric Bischoff. It was actually pretty funny stuff. And then, of course, finally, The Fiend shows up, does Sister Abigail and the Mandible Claw. And as he's pinning John, Bray shows up and counts the pin. Lol. 
So, it was entertaining. It was, uh, yeah, it was entertaining. Uh, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous, but. But was it fuck-diculous? Uh, again, I was sports entertained. People will definitely disagree. This is, I could probably defend the Boneyard match pretty heavily. I'm not going to actually attempt to defend this if you hated it. I get it, and I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you otherwise. Because it was really freaking wacky. But again, this is another one of those circumstances where what we got was probably the superior option to just having them have a match in front of no people, so... Imagine if they did something like that with the Bray Brandy match. Instead of just like doing projections of bugs and shit that Randy Orton no sold, they actually could have done something. Yeah. They could have, and it probably would have been pretty cool. Yeah, that bug thing was weird. It was stupid. Um, and it was made worse because freaking Randy Orton no sold it. Like, and then like I heard somebody, uh, it somebody that I trust and stuff was like, yeah, but you realize like how fucking stupid all of Undertaker shit is. But the reason why it's over is because the, everybody always sold it, and Randy did shit on that. The main main event of WrestleMania, and when I do my ranking of all WrestleMania main events, this will be the match I talk about, not the two-parted thing. This is the true main event of WrestleMania 36. Was Drew McIntyre finally defeating Brock Lesnar to become WWE Champion in a pretty short match, but an effective one, because it was Brock dominating. He hit Drew with a couple of F5s. Drew kicked out and then just claymored Brock to death. Until Brock was done. Drew is the biggest victim of the entire thing. Because Drew winning the title. He was still full of emotion. And it would have been great to have an arena full of people roaring for him. Because they would have. People were clamoring for him to just destroy Brock Lesnar. They would have gotten their wish. It would have been amazing. So that's a very, very... He is probably the biggest victim of the whole thing as far as the performances go, is Drew McIntyre. And he's the one I feel for the most. Very disappointing that it had to turn out this way for him. This is the main argument I would have had to actually postponing the event called WrestleMania and saving this match. Because it would have been awesome. Other than that, for what we got, it was a decent show. I think night one was better than night two. I think there was a lot of stuff that was just okay or even skippable. Nothing overly bad except for the overly long Last Man Standing match. The Elias King Corbin match absolutely sucked. The latter match was completely unnecessary. And... Some stuff was skippable. Otherwise, they could have done worse. And then, of course, they did a a dark match, which was aired as a bonus dark... Billed as a bonus match and aired on the following night, Raw, where Big Show came back, challenged Drew, and Drew claymored him and beat him. So, yay, Big Show. Meh. 
Uh, I, my opinion remains. They should have postponed the event called WrestleMania, held it at a big arena, and just done a special and given us some of the stuff that we got. That's what they should have done. Like, Brian versus Sammy, or either of those two women's title matches with the people who actually knew what they were doing and knew how to wrestle, a.k.a. Shayna and Becky and Charlotte and Rhea, where they knew how to act in front of nobody. Cesaro versus Drew would have been good here. Um, maybe just a regular triple threat match for bragging rights or something, or hell, even have Usos versus New Day go for a number one contender spot or something. I mean, the the cinematic stuff was fine for what we got. If anything, and I don't want to encourage a lot more, even though I enjoyed it, I don't want to encourage a lot more of that stuff because it's going to hurt wrestling as a whole to keep doing that stuff long term. But we should have done a couple more cinematic things to to put the stuff over. I think Aleister Black probably could have gotten away with something cinematic. I think Edge and Orton probably could have actually done a cinematic Last Man Standing match and and had it mean something, maybe they could have had a parking lot brawl. You know what I mean? There's, There are other options there. But for what we got, it could have been worse. But, you know, just, yeah. So let me know what you guys thought of WrestleMania Performance Center. Because that's what it was. It was WrestleMania Performance Center. And I'll just say this now. Stop with this horseshit of no longer numbering your WrestleManias. I think it's horseshit. I thought it was horseshit. Yeah, it's horseshit. No, Vince just didn't want WrestleMania to be seen as as old. Because that means he's old. But every year that you do it makes it more... uh, you You know what? Never mind. I can't even argue. So, I mean, like I said, there was, there's good stuff, but then there's, uh, you know, so stuff benefited from this and a lot of stuff suffered from it. Uh, so take it for what it was. You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there you have factual. All right, let's talk about some actual news now. Free the Revival, the hashtag FTR that Dash and Dawson have been using for so long. Has yeah, finally... that's what that stands for. Yeah. <laughs> it has finally come to fruition. The Revival are free. Yeah, and word is, none of the extra stuff tacked on. They can be at AEW this next week. And they probably will be, because AEW would be so stupid to not snatch them up immediately. And well, they're already reacting, so... Yeah, and I'll address it now, because I've seen it. People immediately want Revival versus Young Bucks, and I will watch that, but I want to see the Bucks do their style, not the Re- Revival do Buck style. Although I don't think Dash and Dawson would do that, because that's not their thing. They're actually against that stuff. Actually, I would build the feud that way. I, I would mean, actually... That's the idea. That's the whole thing, right? I mean, yeah. 
they've been vocal about about that. So could be the most anticipated tag team match of all time if they do it right. So, of course, Money in the Bank was scheduled for the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore. It has been canceled or at least postponed or at least not happening at the arena. So that's nothing really surprising there. And, of course, as you guys know, two weeks after WrestleMania, they do their tour of the UK. That's, of course, postponed. We will not be seeing AJ on TV for a while because he's dead. R.I.P. And apparently Rhea Ripley might have to go back to Australia to get a new visa, which is really shitty timing. Yeah, word is, like, she was already gone. And then there's, like, no, not gone. She's still in Orlando and everything. So they're like, but does she have to go back to get her there? And it's like, well, does she have to wait forever to go back so she can't, so she's just stuck in Orlando and (laughs) is able to work but can't work? And then she has to wait for this all to blow over before she goes to Australia? Or does she have to go to Australia now and then stay there until it all blows over? And then she can come back. So, I don't know. But she says that she's still in Orlando. So, yeah. Well, we'll see. Hope she, hope that's well, because good God. Anyway, I had a I had a I have a teammate, supercard teammate, and he had a baby today during all of this. Aw. I was like, congratulations, your newborn has the Rona. <laughs> um let's move on to some uh, what's going on in the other companies. New Japan Pro Wrestling has currently canceled through Dontaku in early May. Mm-hmm. Now things are improving in Japan. That is a thing. People were running events, and then those same companies have now since canceled the shows again. So, well, maybe it's a bit of an oversight, but better safe than sorry. And at least you know they'll they'll definitely be making up for this when they come back. Uh, AEW's the fucked up thing for New Japan is they did all this shit because the Olympics were going to be there. I know the Olympics aren't going to be there, but they're going to be there next year instead. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Uh, AEW's Double or Nothing in late May was possibly canceled by the arena. Because they're doing it at MGM Grand. And because casinos are closed. Yeah. I mean, UFC had to cancel. Do you think UFC was trying to move their event to an island? Yeah, they're trying to, like, put it on an island. I think that would have been awesome. Uh, that's the a fucking sh- Khabib fight is never going to happen. It's like the fifth time they've tried to have this fight happen, and it's the fifth time it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and the XFL, this is the biggest news. It's, this morning. it's been shut down, and basically everyone's been laid off. That's the a huge casualty of this. And let it be said that the XFL's second death was because of the coronavirus and not because of its own incompetence. There's something Actually, to be said there. Again, like, XFL died because the NFL was like, if you advertise with the XFL, you can't advertise with us. And really, that was what killed it, killed it. Isn't that what happened to ECW? <laughs> was, all right, we're just not going to advertise you. 
Well, I mean, this was like, you know, like Bud Light. NFL saying, no, if you do Bud Light ads during XFL games, you won't do them during NFL games this season. And they're like, ooh, pulls ad. Well, damn. Which, of course, did not get covered in the ESPN documentary about the XFL from a couple years ago. Because let me see here. ABC was the one that had the football. Oh, wait, they own ESPN. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. I mean, yes, the the the, the uh, ratings did go down, but in the end, it, that was what. Just like WCW, they were spending tons of money, and the ratings were going down. But what really killed it is that they had a new parent company, and they didn't want to be in wrestling. They just hated wrestling. They didn't care. Because again, like we talked about it before, having as a as a like conglomerate company, having losses in specific areas is actually better for the company. <laughs> well, Jamie Kellner killed WCW. It's been it's official. The funniest thing is that like five years later, the AOL Time Warner it failed and they went back to separate, and then of course now AOL. All but dead by now. All but dead. Well. It's crazy. Weird and interesting stuff is happening. That's something that we can all pretty much agree on. Uh, Here's actually a rare bit of positive news. Ring of Honor is making a couple of steps here, and they got Angelina Love to sign a new deal. That's not really a name we've talked about in a while. She's been with ROH for the last year and a half or two years. Not a lot to talk about there, but that's a positive, right? Just for her and ROH, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, even though there's not a lot of actual news to discuss, fortunately, Dark Side of the Ring is still taking place, and this week was a really fun episode. The Brawl for All. Now, have you seen any Dark Side of the Ring yet, Dan? No. No, but you... I I do highly recommend that you check it out if you get a chance to. I already... I already know enough about most of these stories. Yeah, but it's still fun. It's still fun to watch. I'm just like, do I want to watch them go super in-depth and, like, get super... Well... Like, conspiracy theory slash depressed about it? Uh, I mean, for Brawl for All episode, they, there's really not uh, conspiracy theory stuff about it. They basically, they tell all the facts of what happened, why it happened, and how much... And they made it a much... shoot, and that was the worst, uh, worst, worst one they, thing they did. And the only person who thought it was a great idea was Russo, and he openly talks about how much he... He watched Jerry Springer and wanted to make everything like Jerry Springer and have everything be real, and... This is going to be great. And he created it because he hated Bradshaw. And he was like, I'm going to put Bradshaw in this because there's so many people that can kick his ass. And he was praying that somebody would knock him out. And how it was supposed to elevate Dr. Death's career. And that didn't happen because Bart Gunn KO'd him. So, yeah, it was a whole mess. They talked to the Godfather about it. They talked to Cornette. They talked to, well, they don't talk to Pritchard, but they play audio from Pritchard. They talk to JR, and he's like, this is the worst idea ever. He goes, it sucked, and you can't convince me otherwise. 
and half of them got hurt, so they got replaced by people who already lost. Draws is in it. It's a one of the first times we've really seen him since the accident. Like out, and he's a pretty positive guy. They actually they actually do touch on the accident with him and D'Lo because. D- they interviewed D'Lo for the uh, the New Jack episode, and how it still eats eats at him to this day. He remembers all the details. Neither one of them blames the other. They're still they still wish each other. You know, Draws still wishes him well, and I think that speaks a lot about the accident that Draws never blamed him for it. It was whoever the fucking asshole was that threw the drink in the ring. It's all yeah, but uh. It was yeah, it was it was a really interesting episode. My favorite thing is that Godfather basically confirmed that he was high as shit for all of his fights. He was like, "Yes, I did the cannabis before I went out there, and <laughs> I did the cannabis." So it was a very entertaining episode, and after the the deep subject matter of the Benoit stuff. It was really cool to see the New Jack episode and the uh, the Brawl for All because they're much more lighthearted subjects, even though there's some intense yeah, stuff Yeah, well, involved. get ready for that shit because it's Nancy Argentino's murder next. Yep. So, yeah, there's going to be a... Yeah, it's, we're going back to the dark side of the ring. That's for damn sure. Enough of that shit. Enough of, like, you know, a month-long thing that became almost a year-long thing because of the freaking Butterbean fight. Oh yeah, and all, then they, they all tell based me. on one one mistake, making it shoot. And they even talk about that too, how they kept Bart off TV because they were so pissed off at him for winning it because they didn't want him to, and how it, they changed his career, and then they were just like, "Well, let's let's get him to fight Butterbean." And but they interview him, and he's just like, "I I could tell from the the get go this was a huge mistake. This kid was going to get killed." He's like, "I actually tried." To, like, not murder him and read it, read his body language. And he goes, and then finally I realized he was done and I just just ended it. Isn't Butterbean dead for, like, a while now? Nope. Still alive. And interviewed for this. So, <laughs> he's not in good health. But he is, uh... Dude, thought for sure he's been dead for 15, 20 years. Okay. Mark Esh, age 53. He's also like 10 years younger than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, still kicking. Yeah, maybe not kicking, but he's, uh, yep, he's still around. And yeah, they, they de- I mean, he was. Former Pro Wrestling Syndicate heavyweight champion. Oh, God, was he really? Dude, look at this fucking 58. 58- Knockouts. Yeah, that was his big thing. 77 wins, 10 losses, 58 by knockout, 19 by decision, 4 draws. If you look at, if you combine his boxing, kickboxing, and MMA record, he's only been knocked out 12 times in his whole life. But then if you combine all the times he's knocked someone else out. Oh no, 11, sorry. Yeah, combine all the times he's knocked someone else out. You get 68. So that's, yeah. That's almost nice. That'll do it. Good lord. Yeah, he's a... 
Yeah. Yeah, they interview Bart Gunn for the most part of it, and they talk about all these tough guys that they were like, that they thought was going to be a big thing, and how much people disappointed them, and how people got screwed, and it's a very interesting story. And when I was, I remember when I was reading all the subjects of what's happening for Dark Side of the Ring, and I saw Brawl for All, I'm like, I don't really understand how this fits in, and then you actually watch it, and you're like, oh yeah, this definitely fits in. Especially what. Especially when Cornette mimes right to the camera, strangling Vince Russo. He's like, I want to choke that piece of shit. <laughs> I want to strangle him till he's done. And Russo's just like, I don't know why he can't just let it go, bro. Because <laughs> you watch this and you're like, man, Russo really did suck. As a person, as a human being, this guy is terrible. But yeah, very interesting stuff. Alright guys, as mentioned before, we have the patron show coming up. On this week, we're going to do the uh, the Raw after WrestleMania X7. The April 2nd, 2001 edition of Monday Night Raw. Also, yeah! Yeah. Time, let it all come out. Oh god, that does pop up. The aftermath of WrestleMania 17, which was considered by many to be a favorite, most beloved WrestleMania of all time. It's... The event that took place immediately after the Raw where Shane, quote-unquote, now owns WCW. So he celebrates by buying WCW, beating his father at WrestleMania. How does he celebrate? Goes to WWF New York. Why not? And I will talk about my experience at WWF New York on the uh, the patron show. Yes. Uh, Dan is going to review, or at least discuss, the Big Show show and give his thoughts and opinions on that. On this well. week's, on this week's patron show for only five buckaroos a month. And remember, last week's episode is free, so everybody can hear it. So you can hear what you've been missing on all this patron stuff, and maybe that'll entice you. What did we you. talk about last week on that show? Uh, we talked about the first Nitro. Hmm. So that's something. All I wanted to do was to go to the Great American Train Store, Chris. And there was a bunch of marks in the way. Those damn marks. Trying to go to service merchandise. Remember service merchandise? God, I remember. There was a bunch of marks. (laughs) Oh, God. So freaking funny. I wanted to go to the flag store. But there was a bunch of fucking marks. So I'd like to give a shout-out to all of our patrons who are in the uh, shout-out tier. To Adrian Cotton, to Glenn Kukan, to Jay Winger, to Jeff Trellowis, and to Randy Moyer. I would like to thank you guys so much for your patronage and your continued patronage. Now... You have to be in the higher tiers to get the shout-outs, but I'd like to give a special shout-out to Roll. Roll is our newest patron, and while he will not get a shout-out every show, I want to give him an inaugural shout-out now, because I think that that's only fitting and fair. So, Roll... Yeah, and it seems he came from the outside. Yes, so Roll, thank you for being a patron. And if you like what you hear on this show, as well as our patron show, where I will give you an additional shout-out, because I know you will obviously be listening, uh, please tell your friends, if you enjoy this content, to come and check out more. 
Mo and Mo and Mo. I think that just about wraps it up there. I think yeah, the that's only... the entire podcast, right? Yeah, there's, there's nothing else. Nah, of course there's something else. Guys, I got to give out some points. Mm. Possibly some consequences. I think this week's game probably could have used a midweek bump. Uh-oh. Because it kind of got buried. And did a bunch of people just not play? Well, it seems like it. Uh, oh, well. It fits on less than one paper, one page, so. And I thought it was a good game. I I enjoyed it. And I think you will enjoy these entries as we have bad gimmick name mashups. Ah, uh, yes. So the big thing is I was on the Twitter machine and saw somebody named Jushin Thunder Luger. And I'm like, oh, I could totally work that into something, right? Jushin Thunder Luger. Jushin Thunder Luger. So we're going to do some mashups, brother. Yeah, let's let's see how this uh let's see how this turns out. The world's strongest honky tonk man. Oh my goodness. So is it basically is it Mark Henry impersonating Elvis? Or the honky tonk man's just a fucking power lifter now? I don't know. I could see a giant jacked up Elvis, though, just <laughs> dominating people. Well, I'll tell you this. This is a gimmick that absolutely nobody would want to see. <laughs> so I give it points. That's points. I don't want to see a giant jacked up Elvis. You don't? No. It's, but Chris, it's such good shit. It is not. <laughs> The Vince Puppet. Uh, next one. Mr. Perfect Ass Man. Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Oh, God. Well, I would more believe that Kurt Hennig would want to show off his ass than Billy Gunn would ever be perfect at anything. He was the one. What are you talking about? Oh god, he was the shittiest. And he had he got it all. I actually kinda like that song. It's a fucking nineties sitcom, bro. Yeah. I make a blind man see. I like Mr. Perfect Ass Man. That's uh that's points. I call it all. You get points, person who did that entry. Yes, Our next one is the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Morley. <laughs> hey, hombres. Who wants... Weed and guns. Who wants weed and guns? <laughs> <laughs> I like how I've had so many conversations with this man and it has never once involved wrestling, even though that's our connection. It has always been about weed or guns. Or both. <laughs> That's the only conversations he and I have ever had. It actually got to the point we were conversing once, like having a, actually it was a, it was a heated conversation, even though we were on the same side, because we were kind of going against other people. And 
he finally realized that I was somebody involved in wrestling. <laughs> I was just like, dude, we've actually kind of known each other now for a little bit, and <laughs> you're just now realizing that's the reason I wanted to be friends with you. Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. If people are going to watch Shawn Michaels or Val Venus, nobody wants to see them doing a crappy libertarian gimmick because the only libertarian gimmick I want to see is Ron Swanson. So this is points. Heartbreak kid, Sean Morley. He's breaking something. Val Venus broke something. You bet my smolder. It's the ultimate Ryback. Uh, I don't like this one because it doesn't do a it doesn't do a word pun. That's kind of what I was hoping for. This is just an excuse to rag on Ryback and Ultimate Warrior. Eh. It is a gimmick that nobody would ask for, that's for damn sure. Because nobody wants those gimmicks repeated. But I was really hoping in for some uh, some wordplay. So I'll give it Fitty. Fitty's good. You get 50. 50 points? And you, sh- and you should be sad. 50 points. Our next one is Jessamine Duke the Dumpster Drosy. Jessamine Duke. Not only is she just absent from television, but I think it's a huge missed opportunity that she's not doing stuff with Shayna Baszler. Uh, but I think that would just be the worst, the worst crossover ever, is that this badass MMA girl is now a garbage woman. Hey, you watch Parks and Rec, right? Yeah, I've seen it. Remember when Leslie and April became garbage women? Mm-hmm. And April was super into it. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. This is great. That's an earmark right there. It's an earmark. Jessamine Duke, the dumpster grossy. I, I have, I've already noticed people, people who have... There's something in common with the people that whose entries I liked the best. We'll see if you agree. Okay. Or come across the same idea. Our next entry is New Jack Briscoe. (laughs) Oh, God. So would this just be a really, really good technical grappler who murders people? (laughs) Is that what this is? Oh my goodness. Okay, that's another earmark. <laughs> yeah, that's Both earmark. of your earmarks so far are from authors. Are from what? Authors. They write. They do oh, the writing. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You'd think the people who write professionally would really? be good at war games. Hmm. Really? Huh. 
our next entry is the road flare. Oh my god, the road flare. Yep. So wait, so wait, is this like a, a Ric Flair Road Warrior hybrid, or is it just a guy whose gimmick is that he's a he's literally a road flare? He's just there because there's construction coming up, but it's at nighttime. Oh God, he's Shane Storm, <laughs> <laughs> who I've done shows yeah. with. Uh, yeah, this is good. That's points. Road Flare. Our next entry. Sexual Bastion Booger. Uh, once again, no wordplay. Just you're just taking sexual chocolate and putting in boogers, which is disgusting. Well, Bastion Booger. To be specific. Yes, I, I get it. As a well, I mean, it it didn't work for this. It really didn't work for him. It's not going to work for Mike Shaw. Not the least of which that you, both of them are dead. Uh, I'm afraid I'm not a big fan of this one either. But that's a gimmick nobody would have asked for, so I will also allow this to get 50. You get 50. <clears throat> we are now at the chase. Owens. Damn, was there like 10 entries? Damn. It was 13, I think, total. Yeah. In total. Ravishing Razor Ramon. See, I think people would want that gimmick, actually. Oh, yo. Look at me, Chico. Look, now look at my pants. It's your wife's face. <laughs> and guess what? Your wife's face was down here last night. Uh. There's no wordplay in this one, really. But I do actually think the entry's funny. Although I wouldn't necessarily say it's a gimmick that people wouldn't ask for. Hey, yo, I want you inner city sweat hogs. This one will also get 50. Our next one, the Sue Young Bucks. Oh God! Well, you you know who I feel bad for in that one's points. I'll give you a hint: it's not the brothers. Our next Haku Hurst Helmsley. <laughs> I like that they went for the Triple H there. So would that just be Blue Blood Haku? The only Blue Blood who bites the nose off of people in a bar fight? And of course, Hurst was spelled (laughs) H-U-R-S-T. Well. I believe that was a mistake, but it would still be pronounced Hurst, so. It's H-E-R-S-T, but uh, it's clever enough to get points. That's points. Despite your your egregious spelling. And now a penultimate. Big Papa Genius. I thought that already was his gimmick. He is a genius, right? According to him. (laughs) No wordplay here. 
And I'm sorry, but I think a big I think Scott Steiner trying to be Lanny Poffa would be fucking brilliant. And that would get over huge because it would be a genius who isn't actually one. Uh remember when Scott Steiner had the debate with Chris Nowinski? Actually I don't. Oh, I do. I completely missed yeah, all was. of Scott Steiner's run and in WWE. I saw Nowinski when he was on Tough Enough. Ever saw him on actual wrestling television. And by the time I came back to wrestling, he was the guy that's had so many concussions. He's the expert in concussions. Yeah, they interviewed him on the Benoit episode. There's no word play, but you can get 50 for Papa Pump. A lot of 50s wrote, on this one. I wrote 50 as soon as I started reading it. Okay, <laughs> our final entry is the Lethal Weapon, Steve Shelton. Steve Shelton? Yeah. It's, oh my god, okay. <laughs> Steve Blackman? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's awesome. So it wasn't the kind of wordplay you're looking for, but it was still played with words. However, I think that would be an awesome gimmick. <laughs> so, you missed out on any opportunity to get an earmark, because I think that actually would be an awesome gimmick to see Shelton Benjamin. Be like, I know karate. Brandishing karate. Shelton the karate master. Oh, God, no. You know, Mongrovian karate? Karate. Uh, I'll give that one points. Because that's still pretty damn funny. Because you, you you did pop me when I figured out what Steve Shelton meant. Yeah, I, God damn it. Okay. You had two earmarks. And since I told you they're both authors, writers, if you will. Gee, I you know who You know who the two people are. But who did which one and who's going to win? By the way, I'm just going to tell you guys right now. You should buy their books on the Amazon. They're available, and you should buy them, and you should read them. And if you think them writing three to four words was good, three to five words was good, you, you know should what I want to do? Them writing hundreds of them. You know what I think would be fun? I'll do I'll do a podcast episode reviewing each of their books, but I'll have the other person on. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'll have. So Andrew, you tell me about everything that comes circle. Yeah. So Jeff, talk. Let's talk about big time players. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. That's so, so when do. you were when you were writing this book, <laughs> what what was the media you were consuming at the time that informed your opinion upon these characters that you created? Well, I would do an actual interview with them, but I think it'd be funny to do a review of the book with the other author. I hope they're reading each other's stuff too, because I know yeah, I would straight up act like they wrote each other's books, and I had the the correct author on the show. That'd be awesome too. Well, actually, Adrian's only written one book so far. <laughs> so, but did you know he's writing a second one? Yes, I know this. Probably as soon as the previous one was done, because he tells it all the time. All right, so it was. I know it was New Jack Briscoe and Jessamyn Duke the Dumpster Drossy were the ones because I remember them because they were freaking hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I think the uh, it ultimately has to go with the gimmick that would be worse, and that would be Jessamyn Duke the Dumpster Drossy. What a horrible okay. idea for a gimmick, and that would ruin her career so hard, more than they're already ruining it now. Whereas New Jack Briscoe is 
fucking hysterical. But nobody would ask for it, but it would be the it would be awesome to watch regardless. Can I guess who was your winner? Fuck if I know, dude. They're both clever as fuck writers. How am I supposed to choose between them? Your winner was Jeff. Well, congratulations to Jeff Trelowitz. Money, please. Oh, God. Because they're both (laughs) also both patrons. Yes, they are. (laughs) Which is why we love them. And they're podcasters on CKCC Radio. Well, and I just I just listened to my backlog this week, and I heard them both. You heard their voices, their sultry voices, all the dulcet tones. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's celebrate that. By the way, if you guys have nothing else to do in quarantine, uh, you know, I'm just saying. These guys are, they got books that you could be reading. And the good thing about their podcast is they're like, Motivational Moves is once a month and it's like five to seven minutes. Yeah. And and both and like both of the things that uh, Jeff does is like 15, 20. Yeah, they, they actually, they give you, they give you enough entertainment and leave you wanting more. They don't talk your ear off and annoy the hell out of you like Dan and I do every week. When we give you this 60 to 90 minutes bullshit. That's what it is. It's the bullshit. Oh god, I just got the list of who did what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. The world's strongest honky tonk man. Yeah, I see that now. All right, I'm just telling you now, Dan, if you had somehow combined Honky Tonk Man with Sweet Bobby G, you would have won. The world's strongest Sweet Bobby G? <laughs> the world, the world's strongest G-Man? I don't know. You, you, you might have actually won if you had found a way to, to work that in somehow. Oh, Honker's Honk Man. Well, that's the thing is, like, when I do dress... I have to be careful when I dress up entries by doing voices or whatever. So what I end up doing with this is like, you know, mid-90s man hype, right? The heartbreak kid, Sean Morley. (laughs) I like, oh God. Can somebody, I I need somebody to just immortalize uh, Vince's introduction of Aretha Franklin. Where he like, apparently that's a big rib on Vince behind the scenes. If people like, Still mock him about that to this day. Shit, WrestleMania three. <laughs> so, you read that was a that was a fun game though. I I I wish we had gotten more entries because I feel like we there was more we could have done with that. But that was that. I was you fun. know I didn't see anybody like say anything about having difficulty. It just kind of got buried. Well, the group has a bad habit of. A lot of burials happening. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um, alrighty. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up this free edition with the WrestleMania Performance Center review. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, 
Please sign our petition to bring Glenn back. We miss him. Let him know in the comments that you miss him again. Change.org slash. (laughs) So let him know and be like, yo, Glenn, come back. Come back, bud. And maybe he will. Maybe he'll be like, all right, that does it. I'm back. And we'll all celebrate and we'll make a big deal out of it. And then I'm just going to give him the show and be like, all right, talk. Because we've been car- we've been carrying the program without you for a couple months now. Because we're going on months. So, damn it. Make yeah, it I happen. was keeping track of how many episodes we would have to do in a row with him as point czar if we were going to keep it even. But I stopped after five. Tis what it is. We'll uh, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll make it. We'll make it happen. We'll probably just give him two for every time. Like maybe we'll have him do every other game for a while. Maybe. Maybe. We'll, we'll probably give him like a whole month to himself. Just be like, all right, here, and then maybe we'll go back to normal then. I don't know. I mean, we could we could probably look January. back. January. Oh wait, no, all those. It's Glenn It's Glenn. It's Glenn Tober. Glenn Tober. Can we talk Tober? Or we just cover everything until we just keep trading off until like, uh, till like the end of August, and then just be like, all right, for the rest of the year, it's just Glenn. Even both of our birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> well, Glenn's going to, he keeps this rate up, he's going to miss his own birthday game. So, yeah, let, uh, let Senor Glenjamin know you miss him, and request him to return, and we'll just harass him. you, miss you. I miss you. And we'll see you guys. Where are you? <laughs> we will see you guys for another edition of Chrome Cafe Wrestle Talk next week. Bye bye. Bye.